St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle that we may not perish in the dread judgment. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If any of you have read or seen one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, King Lear, you may recall the scene where Lear calls upon his court jester, the lowest point of his life, to come and cheer him. After several exchanges, his fool declares, If thou wert my fool, I'd have thee whipped for being old before thy time. Why? the beleaguered king demands. Thou shouldst not have been old before thou hadst been wise. Today we begin a veritable novena of prayer for intercession. We commence by invoking the Prince of the Heavenly Host. And we conclude next Wednesday within the celestial rose garden of the Queen of Fair Love. In between, we implore the intercession of the Holy Doctor St. Jerome, great expounder of the scriptures and defender of the doctrine of Our Lady's perpetual virginity and of the holy virtue of chastity. The next day, St. Remigius, converter of the French nation. Then the holy guardian angels. Then that little flower in Our Lady's garden, St. Therese of Lisieux. Then the patron of humility and holy poverty, St. Francis. Then St. Placid and his companions, martyrs for the establishment of the Benedictine School of Prayer. Then on the eve of the Holy Rosary, glorious St. Bruno, who revived the love of prayer and solitude throughout, the medi throughout medieval Europe by founding the Carthusian Order. During this novena of prayer, today's gospel will be heard three times, at least a portion of it. Today, for St. Michael, for the guardian angels, and for St. Therese. Whosoever shall humble himself as a little child, he shall be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This passage of the gospel makes only path, passing reference at the end to the angels. Why then is it used today and for the guardian angels in addition to the feast of St. Therese, where we would expect it? It is the great gospel of childlike humility. We are about to enter into battle and if we are to fight well, we must not grow old before our time. We know the stakes. As Catholics, we can have no doubt that we are up 
against a great conspiracy. Surely you must be in the know. This conspiracy threatens each and every one of us. You have no need of worldly inside knowledge to be aware of it. For we cannot lay this conspiracy at the door of any one particular group or political movement. Millions upon millions of human beings are involved in this conspiracy, and most of them are not even aware of it. To make matters worse, this is not just a conspiracy theory. It is a conspiracy fact, even a conspiracy dogma. It is, in fact, the one true conspiracy. It goes by many names, but we can use the name we employ every time we say the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. The wickedness and snares of the devil. This month into which we are about to enter is dedicated to the Holy Rosary, but it could also be called the month of the Holy Angels, our elder cousins in creation. The human genome may have quite a bit in common with that of other animals, but we would do well to spend more time considering what the human soul has in common with other spirits and how it differs from them. Allow me a short reminder to dispel certain misconceptions about the angels that remain. The angels, both good and bad, are spirits. They are not, strictly speaking, supernatural beings. God alone is a supernatural being. He alone is entirely beyond the natural world which he created. Angels are a part of that natural world, just as much as you and I. Being spiritual and immortal just happens to be part of their nature. The only way angels can share in anything supernatural and supernatural life is the same way we can, by grace. Thus we can take heart, great courage, in the fact that if we are in the state of grace, we are more supernatural than the devil and his angels will ever be, because they have lost grace forever. We must also avoid the misconception that all angels are tidily tucked away in heaven or in hell, and that any angelic activity in our world is miraculous. After the Last Judgment, all human beings will have their bodies and will be in one of those two places, heaven or hell. Angels do not have bodies, and if they act in our world, they do not leave heaven or hell in order to do so. That is to say, they do not leave their state of blessedness or damnation behind while they perform an action here. 
To recall another Elizabethan playwright, after Dr. Faustus, as Marlowe would have it, has just sold his soul to the devil, he then, with a smirk, inquires of Mephistopheles, what is hell like? Do you miss it when you're gone? He replies very grimly, I do not miss it, nor can I ever leave it. No, angelic activity in our world is not some exception to the rule. It is not miraculous. It is the common teaching of the fathers that nothing goes on in our world without the ministry of angels. Every nation, every church, every human being has an angel committed to him by God for his protection. The good angels, and they are the majority, act in our world because God has given them this charge. The bad angels are active in our world because they have nothing better to do. They have lost the life of grace, and until the end of time, they pass their dreary existence indulging in the two deadly sins of which they are capable, pride and envy. They gain nothing by getting us to join in their misery, but all the same, they do not want us to be happy. Be sober and watch then, says St. Peter, for your adversary the devil goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Yet even this demonic activity in our world is part of God's plan, and it is part of their punishment. St. Paul assures us, we know it to be a truth of our faith that no man is ever tempted beyond his strength. The apostle says that he himself was given an angel of Satan to buffet him in order to keep his pride in check. And when he begged to be delivered from this trial, our Lord told him, My grace is sufficient for thee. All the tireless labors of the devil and his minions serve only to exercise our virtue. For their power is chained by something which they can never have and which they despise above all other divine attributes, the mercy of God. And the mercy of God is given in abundance to all those who are humble, childlike, and contrite of heart. St. Michael, then, is our standard-bearer today as the example of childlike humility. In the face of demonic rebellion, he is the one who cried out, Who is like God? Michael, and so earned his name. And we should note well the grace we ask of this heavenly warrior today in the Mass. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle that we may not perish in the dread judgment. Note that we do not simply ask him to win the battle. Here below, the world and the God that this world worships has its hour. And so indeed we may lose the battle, 
in the worldly sense. This world will have its moment of triumph. What is inescapable for all rational creatures is the dread day of judgment. Those who fight well may not witness any victory for the world to see, but they will not perish in the dread judgment. St. Michael, then, is for us today our patron of the spiritual combat. Childlike humility that comes from true knowledge of self, which leads to true knowledge of God. True knowledge in the spirit of St. Michael that God is all and we are nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we are impossible. But with God, all things for us are possible. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, that we may not perish in the dread judgment, but grant us the victory of eternal life. Amen.